Thanks for joining us for the special Mideast Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. shares the Mideast Prophecy Update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. One might ask, just how exactly should we be encouraged by the growing severity of trials and tribulations as believers and followers of Christ? Well, as Pastor J.D. will discuss in his prophecy update today, it's by none other than the signs of these tribulations that we can look to the promise of our redemption from the Lord. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's prophecy update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly prophecy update at jdfarag.org. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's prophecy update as shared on July 17, 2022. For today's update, I want to talk with you about the prophetic snowball effect, as it were, with everything that's happening in the world today. And I'll explain what I mean by snowball effect. What started initially prophetically has now built upon itself and as such grown in both size and speed. And I'm using this metaphor because it best describes Bible prophecy today as it relates to its swiftness and as such its unstoppable momentum. Now we do have a problem, and the problem is that the last day's prophecies in the Bible are increasingly cataclysmic and catastrophic as the world nears the end. I know this is going to come off as a firm grasp of the obvious when I say this, but I say this nonetheless. The end of the world is just that, the end of the world. I know that's deeply profound. But (laughs) according to Bible prophecy, the end of the world is absolutely horrific. And that's almost an understatement to say it like that, especially as we near the seven-year tribulation, which we know is near for a number of reasons, not the least of which is by virtue of how even now we're experiencing much in the way of trials and tribulations as believers in and followers of Jesus. Can I draw your attention to a very unpopular verse in the Bible? How's that for an introduction? (laughs) Acts chapter 14, verse 22. Nobody really likes to talk about 
this verse, read this verse, and pastors certainly don't like to teach this verse. You'll see why here in a moment. We're told, Luke by the Holy Spirit writes, that there, speaking of Antioch, they, Paul and Barnabas, strengthened the souls of the disciples and encouraged them to continue in the faith. We're good so far. I'll take that. Okay, so how did they encourage them and strengthen them in the faith? Are you ready for it? (laughs) Wait for it. They said to them, it is through many tribulations that we must enter the kingdom of God. Wait, (laughs) I thought you were trying to encourage me and strengthen me to continue in the faith, and you're telling me that you're encouraging me and strengthening me by telling me that I must go through many tribulations, not the tribulation. We'll talk about that in a moment. But I have to go through (laughs) many tribulations in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. You're telling me that prior to the rapture of the church, which is prior to the seven-year tribulation, that I have to go through much in the way of trials and tribulation. Yes. And that's supposed to strengthen me? Yeah. How does that work? How does that encourage me? Oh, the Apostle Paul writing to the Thessalonians in his first epistle. In the context of the rapture of the church, trying to encourage them, because they were going through unspeakable hardship, pain, suffering, trials, tribulation, persecution, the list goes on and on and on. And they were really struggling. They were really hurting. So how does Paul encourage them? Oh, he says, yeah, I know you're going through all of this, and I know it's very hard, but here's the thing. Yeah, there are many tribulations, but soon and very soon the trumpet's going to sound. And the dead in Christ, you know those loved ones that died in Christ, knowing Christ, that you sorely grieve and sorrow over. Your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, God forbid your son or your daughter that died in Christ, and you are just so grieving, not as the world grieves, We don't grieve as the world grieves without hope. No, we have that hope. We affectionately refer to it as the blessed hope. And by the way, this is going to come up again in a moment. And I want to qualify this, and this is very important. Please don't miss this. When you read the word hope in Scripture, it's not as we understand it in our day. Example. I'll say to you something like, I sure hope 
I, I, I sure hope, I, I, I sure wish that, hope that. No, 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 no. That's really in the English language the only word that comes anywhere close to describing not this, I sure hope so. No, it's a done deal. It's a done deal. It's not this, I hope. No, it's I know. And that's my hope. That's what my hope is in. Again, we're going to talk about this more in a moment. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Jesus John 16, verse 33. Listen to what he said about this. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. And then he says this, (laughs) in the world you will have tribulation. Oh, how I wish he did not say it like that. Oh, how I wish it was something more like in this world. There's a possibility, there's a good chance that you might have some difficulty. No, you will. You will. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Be encouraged. Why? Because I have overcome the world, and I'm coming back to the world to take you out of the world. Be encouraged. Yeah, but I'm going through much in the way of trials and tribulation. I know, I told you, you you would. But in me you can have peace. And oh, by the way, the peace that I give is not the same as the peace that the world has to offer. See, the peace that I give you is a perfect peace. Isaiah would say it like this, and I love it. He says, he will keep him in perfect peace. Those whose mind is stayed on Him. Perfect peace. It's a peace that's not predicated upon what's happening in my life. The struggles, the pressures of my life. That It's a peace that surpasses, the Apostle Paul says, human understanding. It transcends Can I say it like this? It defies human understanding. That's the peace that He wants to give us, and that peace is only found in Him. In the world, tribulation. In Christ, peace. The Apostle Peter is 1st Epistle, chapter 4, verse 7. He says, the end of all things is near. Therefore, listen, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Now, why would he write that? We have to understand the context. We're going to be back in First Peter here shortly. 
He's writing to Christians who are being thrown into these Colosseums for the entertainment of the Romans. You'll forgive the graphic description, but this is what was happening at this time when Peter was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this letter. They would take the Christians, they would, Caesar Nero, dip them in tar, light them on fire, and then Nero would ride around in his chariot, and he would mock them, light of the world, as they would be burned alive. They would take large animals, and again, you'll forgive the graphic nature of it, they would gut them out, they would place the Christians alive within the bodies of these animals, the carcasses, and throw them into the Colosseum for entertainment, as the wild, savage dogs would eat them alive. Of course, there were the lions. It was all for sport. You know, when the Apostle Paul was on that ship, of course, shipwrecked again on the island of Malta, because the islanders, the locals there, needed salvation. So that wasn't necessarily on Paul's itinerary in the book of Acts, but God wanted them saved, so he had a uh, stop in the island of Malta on the itinerary. But do you know why that ship was full of these prisoners going to Rome? because they were going to make sport of them. This is to whom this letter was written at that time. Now, please, I, I don't think it's fair to compare what we're going through in our day to what they went through in their day. It's a very different world that we're living in today. And I don't think it's, again, in all fairness, what we would refer to as an apple-to-apple -apple comparison. I think in many respects there are more difficulties in our day being a Christian in this world. So he's encouraging them how? As we near the end, it's getting harder and harder. So here's how I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to be alert and of sober mind and pray. Well, that's a novel idea, isn't it? Pray. Pastor, why are you starting out this way? Because the passages I just read and the many others like them, speak to the purpose of our trials and tribulations. And if you were to ask me what I thought was the number one reason for tribulation, my answer in a word would be salvation. Such that when we finally realize that there's no hope for this world, we're more apt to put our hope in the next. Actually, 
This is the main purpose of the last seven years in the seven-year tribulation, which is for the salvation of the Jewish nation. That's the purpose of not just a tribulation, the tribulation, the seven-year tribulation. It has a purpose. Every tribulation, every trial, every difficulty, every hardship, every affliction has a purpose. I think of David in Psalm 119, two times. I think it's verse 67 and verse 73. He repeats it, but he kind of tweaks it when he does. Basically he says this, it was good that the Lord afflicted me. Really? What do, you, what do you mean, David? Oh, it was good that the Lord afflicted me with trials and tribulations, because had He not afflicted me, I would have gone astray. It was good. That was the purpose of the affliction that He allowed in my life. And then in verse 73, it might be the other way around, but He also says, it was good for you to afflict me, because now I keep your statutes. I keep your word. See, had it not been for that affliction, that adversity, that trial, that tribulation, I would not have gotten into your word. Let me just ask you a question. I mean this in a loving way. I just want to ask you, It's a rhetorical question between you and the Holy Spirit. When was the last time you got into the Word of God and spent some time in the Word of God, and when you got into the Word, the Word got into you? Maybe that trial, that difficulty that God has allowed, the adversity to strike in your life, maybe it's just for that reason. He hasn't heard from you in a while, kind of misses you. It's kind of like the kid in college, never never calls mom and dad unless he needs something. So mom and dad figure it out. Okay, well, I want to hear from him. And the only time I hear from him is when he needs something. So now we're going to make him need something so we can hear from him. (laughs) That's the best illustration I got. So isn't it true, though? That it's when affliction, trials, tribulation, that's the purpose. Do you agree with me on this, that when things are going good in life, we give little to no thought about salvation and eternal life? And conversely, when adversity strikes and difficulty hits, and adversity strikes, we're all more prone to let go of this world and the things of this world. The Apostle John and the Apostle Peter write about this powerful truth concerning one's love for this world and hope in this world. 
Let me start with 1 John, the second chapter, beginning in verse 15. You know the passage well. John writes, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away. The world is dying. The world is lost and dying. It's passing away. And the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Let's get back to First Peter, this time chapter 1, verse 13. The Lord really ministered to me something here that I had not seen before, and I want to point it out to you. He says, in the context of all of the difficulty and the trials and the tribulation and the persecution, he says, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Discipline yourselves. Self-discipline. You know, you discipline your children. Discipline yourself. And then he says this, set Keyword, all your hope, all your hope on the grace that Jesus Christ will bring you when He is revealed. Hear me out. There are, let me rephrase this. Help me out, Holy Spirit, please. I don't want to say this condemningly. I want to say this humbly and lovingly and kindly and gently. And maybe in the form of a question, why is it that we as Christians are still holding out hope in this world? It's dying. Why are we still holding on? I mean, it's like, okay, yeah, I... I still have a little hope. No, no. All your hope. This is the problem. Again, hear me out. And I'm speaking in the broad sense. If a Christian is still somehow, and the Lord knows the heart, is still in their heart holding out some hope for this world, well, then no wonder. Could it be, and we'll see this when we get to James, could it be what Jesus said in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, that the reason why we're still holding on, keeping our lives in this world on life support, it's dying, and we're still holding on to it putting some hope in it. Could it be that we've still got an investment in it? You've been listening to a Prophecy Update with Pastor J.D. Farag on In Spirit and Truth. 
Thanks for tuning in to study the Word of God. As you continue to learn about the things that are happening all around us and how that relates to the Bible, take some time to pray for this nation and for the world as a whole. How all the details will play out is still unknown, but God treasures the prayers that are offered on behalf of His people and the world around them. Continue to delve deep into God's Word on your own and gain some useful insight about these things in addition to what you hear from Pastor J.D. Are there some things that you heard today that really touched home in your heart that you'd appreciate some prayer over? We'd be honored to pray for you. Let us know what those requests are by going to jdfarag.org and then fill out the form under contact. Once again, that website is jdfarag.org. You can also find us on social media. You'll find links to Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube on our website. And we encourage you to follow them so you can stay up to date with all that's happening at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe and in spirit and truth. If you're wanting to access these things on the go, we have a mobile app that's available for iPhone and Android users. Just look under the resources tab. That's all we have time for today, but thanks for joining us. We look forward to our next edition where you'll get the opportunity to hear more insightful things about the days that we're living in and how that intersects with what's been predicted in the Bible. Join us again here on In Spirit and Truth.